Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to Extra Point Taken. Shield Kapati here with Ben Solak on the Ringer NFL feed. We are bet quiet time in the NFL calendar, obviously. I'll admit, I got a little scared last week when Solak started already making his division predictions. I thought, all right, we need to have some type of gimmick or this man's going to run out of takes by mid-July. So You would never. So here's what we're going to do. It's very simple. It's going to be a fun, light show, I think. We're going to each come up with three headlines you will see between now and and week one of the NFL season. So this is sort of a way to look ahead. You'll have OTAs, you'll have mini camp, you'll have training camp uh, in the months ahead before we actually see any football. What are some of the storylines that we kind of have our eye on that we feel like we can predict that we might think are nonsense, that we might think are legit? I don't know. I have no idea what direction Ben Solak Took it, Ben. Are these coming off the top of your head, or did you do a little prep? I mean, it's it's May fifteenth. I either you know you don't need to be. I know you were grinding the Desmond Ritter film last week, but you don't need to be doing that this week. I was looking at I was looking at headlines from last <laughs> summer and trying to trying to spark some some inspiration, trying to think of some oh, stuff. I like that. I don't know. Like, I don't have one that's mostly for fun. The other two are like things that are <laughs> happening. I feel like. Okay. All right. Well, I will start us off because I have the extra points that. Today, So uh, let me start off with the first headline you will see between now and week one of the NFL season. Honestly, you might have already seen this by now. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet, but it's coming soon. Sam Darnold feels at home in the Kyle Shanahan offense. I mean, this is like a guarantee to happen. We don't know when Brock Purdy is going to be thrown out there uh, at practice. We know Kyle Shanahan obviously liked Sam Darnold a lot, uh, signed him here to, I think, split reps with Trey Lance until Brock Purdy is back here. And so there is still a little bit of a Darnold hive, I feel like. I don't know if it's, it's, if it's the largest bit. hive. Is, is there it's, a big hive? Is there a big Darnold hive? You're more tapped into this than I am, so tell by me. By overall size, no. By proportion <laughs> of hive size to actual success of NFL player, the Darnold hive is the most bloated hive that exists. I cannot. with with. And here's the thing. Darnold will look at 
will play some of his best ball if he plays in this offense because he's going to have unbelievable weapons again have Kyle Shanahan and everyone's going to feel justified for continuing to hang their hat on this guy for like five six years of NFL football <laughs> at this point which is just ludicrous uh yeah no there's absolutely 100% still Sam Donald Hive in a future episode I would love to get your like top three or top five of that list like size of Hive compared to actual uh level of success right. In the NFL. So I'm not going to ask you, but you know, off the top of your head here, if you Devin come up White. with any others. Oh, jeez, Devin, Devin White's like, I'm just here trying to enjoy my May afternoon. And this nope. guy's just coming on and killing me for no I will reason. Never I forget I that Bucks Super Bowl run when there was like, there was the Devin White hype. Like, uh, <laughs> Peter Schrager, shout out Peter, was on and Good Morning Fool, I mean, like, best young linebacker in the league. And like, he could not figure out which direction to go if Levante David wasn't pointing him. It was driving me insane. <laughs> Um, all right well let me let me you think you think about that let me finish uh on the on the darnold point here so darnold had a six game sample last year that got some people pretty here's how it's gonna go they're gonna say hey look at you know last year those six games look at the numbers look at the epa per play darnold was showing signs (laughs) last year and then and that's step one then there will be you know then there's the hey four head coaches and five nfl seasons five different offensive coordinators you're gonna hear that one as well how about this one I love these actually generally, but they'll say he's only 26 years old. He's only six months older than Hendon Hooker. <laughs> Poor Hendon Hooker is going to get thrown into that for all of these, uh, all of these age conversations. And then the last thing is you obviously would point to previous quarterbacks in Kyle Shanahan's system and how they overachieved. So listen, some of those things might actually be relevant, but I will be over there in the corner sitting and I will say, I will believe it when I see it with Sam Darnold over an extended period of time because he has had, uh, what, mm-hmm. 1,800 pass attempts or something like that, and we have not seen it. And the other thing, Ben, I wanted to mention is, like, we can all agree, Kyle Shanahan, fantastic offensive coach, schemer, play caller, like one of the best offensive coaches of this generation, no doubt about it. But I do think we have to acknowledge that, like, he's not a miracle worker. Like, players always matter. It, there is no coach that can just take a player who who, who is not good enough and make him good enough. And I think we've seen that with Shanahan. He's coached the 49ers for six years. How many of those years do you think he's had a below average offense? Let's just go based on DVOA. Six six, uh, seasons as an NFL head coach. So below average, we would say uh, 17 to 32 in DVOA. What do you think? I have no idea. Mostly because I was Googling Three. Tony Pollard. I was Googling Tony Pollard stats because I think Tony Pollard is another one whose hive is bigger than his production. Oh, so how dare you? Tony yeah. Pollard is a fantastic player. I, I mean, Everybody I'll get into Tony Pollard hive always and fight you like, on Oh that. my gosh, if only Tony Pollard got as many carries. like a fourth round running back out of Memphis who's been a career backup. Who's got juice. He's unquestionably good. Yeah, but that's because it's true. He absolutely oh should have got more carries. What are you talking about? That is distra- <laughs> To mention Tony Pollard in the same breath as this Sam Darnold conversation is absolutely ludicrous. Because it, it's whose hives are disproportionate to their on-field production. Tony Pollard is about to be a, an actual starter for the first time in his career. And yet how many football and fantasy people are like, wow, he was probably a top 10 back Tony Pollard. It's like, well, no, we have no evidence of that in terms of like actual starting play yet. He's that, another that, disproportionate I'm, I'm hive. He fits for that qualification. That's out, he does. That's outrageous. Go back to the drawing board there. Uh, so three seasons out of six, Kyle Shanahan has had below average offenses. And it's just the point that quarterback matters. 2017, 
He had C.J. Beathard, Brian Hoyer, and Jimmy G for only a portion of the season. 2018, Nick Mullins, Mullins. C.J. Beathard, and Jimmy G. 2020, the same three guys. They were 19th, 27th, and 20th in DVOA those three years. So I think Kyle Shanahan sets the floor for your offense. Like, you know, 19th and 20th is not terrible. Like some teams would kill for 19th or 20th. So I think he's able to set the floor, especially with the supporting cast there. But the quarterback Mm. ultimately is going to determine how high of a ceiling you have. And Jimmy G in some of those seasons, uh, for all his flaws, they had a very high ceiling there. So uh, I just think at some point this summer, we're going to hear how good Darnold looks about how this is his opportunity. If he gets to play, he's going to be able to get in there and fit in how the situation is so much better than anything he's had before. And again, I think some of that to a degree will be legit, but I'm not getting sucked in. If you want to get sucked in, enjoy it. I will not be joining you unless we get to December and there's actually evidence to go by. That's all. So, I think we're going to... That, 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 that's the low-hanging... I took the low-hanging fruit with the first one. Yeah. The thing with... is Is like... To the offensive success point, Darnold was drafted third overall and has never reached the caliber of play you'd hope for the third overall pick and yada, yada, whatever. He's definitely better than CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins. Like, if you're asking me, is he above that, is he uh, above that, that line, right? That, that, that prime meridian of like good enough that Kyle Shanahan can get a good offense out of him? I think unequivocally, yes. Like, Nick Mullins was out there like playing for the Niners and then like three years later was being traded for conditional seventh round picks. I'm saying CJ Beathard got the Jags got job because Urban Meyer knew he was tall and from the Big Ten. Like they, they, I, I think that I would not say unequivocally if Darnold does if Darnold gets a chance to play in this offense and does not play well, where is his NFL career? Like our team's going to look Nowhere. at it and say yeah. he couldn't succeed. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. I would say he would still need to prove that he's unequivocally. Uh, I mean, I think he's more talented than those guys, but is he unequivocally a better player than those guys? Like Nick Mullins, the one year, I don't want to fall down this rabbit hole, but his numbers were probably better than Sam Darnold has ever put up in like an over an eight game stretch. I don't think Mullins is better than Darnold, but that, that's just kind of to the point, how much will the situation matter? How much can he get out of it? If, if he does indeed play, I mean, there's a chance he doesn't play at all this season. Although I think you and I both think he's going to see the field at some point. Yeah. Um, I'll keep, uh, I'll stay on theme of, of washed early round draft or early first round draft picks at quarterbacks and their potential futures. Uh, headline July 24th, whatever you want. I don't know. 2023 <laughs> Carson Wentz agrees to a one year deal with the Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay. Carson Wentz is still a uh, free agent right now. He's, I would say the, the most notable free agent quarterback available, Matt Ryan, who recently agreed with a, with CBS Sports to be an analyst, also said it wasn't a retirement post, which if it's like, Matt, are you going <laughs> to you gonna do the pregame show and then Wait, suit what? up? <laughs> yeah. He, when he tweeted, he was like, there's not a retirement post with a winky emoji. And it's like, Matt, it kind of feels like a retirement post. You're in a suit. Like, this is kind of his ball game at this point. Obviously, Tom Brady, 45 years old, still a free agent, theoretically retired. I know you and I very much disagree on how likely it is he plays again. Um, but I, I well, think that Wentz ownership is, thing spooked me a little bit with, with Brady. Like, if that's in play, mm-hmm. then I think it probably. Oh yeah, don't uh, worry. No, I have, I have a Brady headline yeah. coming up. I'm a, I, I, okay. that's that's All my right. window right. to get a Brady headline in here, and I will. Okay. Uh, so I think Wentz is the most notable uh, uh, free agent quarterback left. Um, there was a report from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN uh, that Wentz has received interest from teams uh, that he's 
open to taking starter or backup roles, which just say you're open to taking a backup <laughs> role. Everyone's open to taking a starting role, brother. I don't be, I'm open to a backup role. I'm also open to a starter role. Like imagine something like just backup roles. Just just Brian Hoyer, Case Keenum, and Chase Daniels being like, do not bring me in there as QB1, only QB2. Um, anyway, uh, so you've seen a couple teams uh, with their names, a couple different team names bounced around. I think the one that absolutely makes the most sense is Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the Rams are probably not going to be very good this year. And uh, doing a quasi-quarterback reclamation project is not the worst idea. They traded for Baker Mayfield, or not traded for, excuse me. They got Baker Mayfield as a free agent last year. Um, With some of that theory in mind, they clearly feel sketchy about Matthew Stafford's uh, arm injury and the likelihood that he's able to continue to the caliber of play he had during their Super Bowl season. Their previous backups were uh, John Walford and and, uh, Bryce Perkins, excuse me, both of whom have now left. They drafted Stetson Bennett in the fourth round of this past draft, something that they were like really stoked about. And we were all kind of like, all right, are you sure? Sounds good. Okay. Uh, but to back up Matthew Stafford, this is a team that that's future is, is multiple years down the road, right? I mean, they are rebuilding and retooling a roster that kind of fell to pieces after the Super Bowl run. So why not bring in one second overall pick, Carson Wentz, with a ton of starting experience, another big-bodied guy who can hang around in the pocket, strong arm, make a lot of throws. He plays similarly to Stafford does. And if you're going to worry about Stafford's health long-term, like I don't think that Wentz... Like, we've seen enough from Wentz to know that he's not a very good starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't think that you watch him as Sean McVay and go, oh, I can't make something out of that. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of the same thing with the Kyle Shanahan thing. We look at Sam Donald and you go, oh, I can kind of make something out of that. Like... Uh, uh, you will not catch me in a full-throated defense of Carson Wentz at all. I'm an Eagles fan. I lived through it. I know what the player is like. But there are enough plus-tier physical tools there that an offensive designer like Sean McVay is going to believe, oh, I can bring this guy in and I can, I can cover up his weaknesses, right? I can hide his warts uh, and I can get functional offense out of this guy. If the Rams end up in a spot where Stafford can't play for any part of the 2023 season... I don't think they want to be living out there with Stetson Bennett as the starter. I think it's 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 going to be important to them to have some modicum of offensive success at the quarterback position. I think that Sean McVay does not do well with losing. I think Sean McVay does not do well with young players. I think he'd much rather prefer to have a veteran like Carson Wentz to kind of bridge this thing over as they get to the new era of Rams offensive football. Carson Wentz, I think, one-year deal with the Rams. Starter or backup role? Thinking like a little $7.5 million with some escalators, right? With some incentives per game bonus. That high? No, he's not getting $7.5 million at this no, Oh, no. Excuse he me. hasn't I, been I, signed. I, it's May. Excuse me. Excuse, excuse me. Max that's 7.5 okay. with escalators right. with bonuses. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I meant by, yeah, yeah. He's going to get maybe up to 7.5. He's like starting the whole second half of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Carson Wentz, I think uh, if there's a good landing spot for him, and again, for all of his issues, I think there should be. I think he is good enough to be on a roster and be a backup. I think the Rams make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, just comparing Wentz to Darnold, like Wentz has had multiple seasons of better performance than Sam Darnold has had. You know, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I find Wentz to be a very annoying player to watch because he's never worked or corrected on any of his flaws. And it's like, the you know, he's going to miss the layups. He's going to, you know, think that he's Michael Vick in his prime trying to spin out of some of these sacks and then take a monstrous hit. He's going to make boneheaded decisions, uh, the stuff about relating with teammates, all of that. So there's a lot there on the negative side. But you're right. If we're talking about a backup, and I, and I think it's worth saying, like, 
Last year seemed to really take a lot out of Sean McVay. I mean, Jordan Rodriguez, the athletic has done great reporting on this, but like that, you know, yeah. he, he was really considering whether, whether he wanted to continue uh, to coach because of what a disaster that was. And in the past, McVay has been a coach who's been able to get, uh, do, do more with less on offense. Like his, you know, those offenses with, with Jared Goff were very good. I mean, he was top eight, top 10 offenses without having kind of a star caliber quarterback, really any of those seasons. Now, last year, it all fall apart, fell apart. Their uh, injuries on the offensive line, their lack of depth, all those things. But uh, I would agree. I don't, it feels like they're playing for 2024 at the same time. Like, you know, they'll, they'll kind of drop hints. Like, yeah, we think we have a shot to make the playoffs. Like, I don't think they go into this season thinking like our offense yeah. is going to stink again. Like their defense is like, there's nobody on the defense. If you look at their depth chart, it's kind of wild to look at. But offensively, could you kind of talk yourself into, well, if Stafford plays, you know, 11 games. And like you said, if Wentz goes in there for five and Cooper Cup uh, stays healthy and you still have McVay and the offensive line is a little bit healthier, like you could talk to that, talk yourselves into them being kind of competitive uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So yeah, I'm with you. Unless they think, hey, Stetson Bennett, we've already seen enough here in the spring. We're going to be comfortable with him as the backup. Uh, if that's not the case, then I, I think that signing would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I very much think that the Rams are going to be more competitive this year than we think. I'm not like taking the over on the win total, all right? I've looked at the roster. I don't love it. It's only like six but, and a half or something, though. I yeah. mean, right. I just think, yeah, I think that, like you brought up Jordan Rodriguez reporting, I think that losing took the absolute spirit out of Sean McVay. I think it took the life out of him. I think that he was not accustomed to having that experience, that it was embarrassing for him, that it was devastating for him. And I think that they're going to. Take primary steps to get a younger roster and rebuild the roster and develop young players. They already started this last season. Like the roster is generally very young. You know what I'm saying? Like to kind of like yeah. orient towards the future. But for every step they take in that direction, they're going to allow Sean to take a smaller, but still, you know, uh, not equivalent, just, you know, uh, another step to like making sure it's not a terrible, terrible team this year. And like Carson Wentz to me is like a perfect example of that where it's going to be like, all right, like, we're going to be young. We're not going to be great on offense, whatever, whatever. But like, I, like if Stafford gets hurt, like I'm not playing Stetson Bennett in year one. Like I can't, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. I need to like have like an actual functional offense out there. They're kind of an interesting team to keep an eye on how like the first seven, eight weeks of the season goes. Cause if they just stink and are out of it, are they just get, saying, all right, you know, Aaron Donald, Cooper cup, let's just go full moving into the future, or if they're competitive enough, then I think they'll definitely talk themselves into the value of making a playoff run. All right, let's take a quick break. I'll come back with my second headline. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash ringer NFL. Just go to indeed.com slash ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we are back on Extra Point Taken on the Ringer NFL feed, Shield Kapadia with Ben Solak. My second headline that you're going to see in the months ahead before week one, I w- I like how you put the date on it. I, I like that little gimmick. I'll say Thank you. August 6th, Zach Wilson, colon, just trying to be a sponge out here. I don't oh, think Jets love fans to be are gonna- a sponge out here. <laughs> it's critical to be a sponge out here. You got to always make sure you're being a sponge out here. <laughs> I don't think Jets fans are going to fall for this one. Uh, I think they've watched Wilson and they've seen he's been the worst quarterback in the NFL, not hyperbole, like EPA per play last two seasons, 35th out of 35 quarterbacks. Uh, so they've watched that week in and week out. But I do think, I don't know where it'll come from, uh, but somewhere you'll see the narrative that, hey, Aaron Rodgers, in addition to helping the Jets win this year and maybe next year, this guy's going to help resurrect Zach Wilson's career. They already have a relationship. Wilson's going to be able to take a step back. He won't be in the spotlight. He'll learn behind the scenes what it takes to be a pro, uh, study habits, mechanics, game planning, all these things. And, and, you know, Robert Sala will come out, hey, we haven't given up on Zach Wilson. Far from it. I mean, we think this is going to be the best thing uh, for his career. I'm here to tell you all of that is absolutely garbanzo beans. Uh, this is a mistake we see in the NFL year in and year out. Teams do it with coaches a lot. They're just like, oh, Matt Patricia hung out with Bill Belichick. See, Bill Belichick just grabbed that greatness on his sleeve. He rubbed it on Matt Patricia's shoulder. And now Matt Patricia's going to come out and he's going to have some of that and be good. And you see this year in and year out. Like it, it is kind of baffling to me some of the decisions NFL teams make based on this. Greatness doesn't just rub off from one person. Uh, to the next year. And Aaron Rodgers has started 244 games in his career. Like the stuff he's going to be working on and the nuances he's going to be working on are very different than Zach Wilson, who needs to sort of learn just the basics of not being the worst quarterback in the league and what that's going to take. And so I, I you know, if it happens, I'll, I'll admit I'm wrong. If three years from now, Zach Wilson is a good quarterback and he's saying, you know what, those two years with Aaron Rodgers were great for me. I don't think that that's going to happen. Now, Rodgers turns 40 in December. We have a history of quarterbacks really not starting a lot of games at this age. There's a real chance Zach Wilson's going to have to play this year. I know that's like your worst nightmare if you're a Jets fan and you're listening to this. I don't think that's going to go well unless, you know, they sign Tim Boyle and this Tim Boyle jumps him for the backup spot. But uh, I, I think if we see Zach Wilson this year, even if it's late in the season, you're not going to see a different player that has been helped by an Aaron Rodgers. But we if will see greatness that does If greatness doesn't rub off, man, that's a, what am I doing on this pod? That's why I was trying to steal some of the yeah. Shokopadia magic. I was trying to get it just by well, adjacency. You tell me that's not how it goes? Well, this is virtual. I mean, maybe if we did live oh, shows at is. like Spotify and I could do the thing where I take this off my shoulder and just rub it on your shoulder, then maybe, but maybe that's an experiment for the summer, some of the preseason pods. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, in the same way that we... The first two people that we talked about were Sam Donald and Carson Wentz. It's appropriate that the third person is Zach Wilson. When you're a top five yeah. pick at quarterback, it doesn't matter how bad you are and what circumstances you were bad for how many years. 
they're still gonna write the headlines about you, right? There's, there's still gonna be that visibility on you, right? I like I, I, I can't remember if I brought up on this pod or a different pod, but the first thing my mom texted me, big Jets fan, once the Rogers trade came through was, what does this mean they're doing with Zach? What, is it, what does it mean for Zach? And I was like, what do you mean what it means for Zach? He's terrible. And she was like, well, are they going to trade him? Are they going to cut him? I was like, no, they'll probably keep him. But like, how is this what you're thinking about right now? Just that reminder that like, whenever a, a fan base, a franchise gets that top five figure quarterback, there's so much visibility on that player. So independent of how he behaves, independent of how Rodgers behaves, independent of what Zach Wilson looks like during camp, at some point, some reporter's going to go up to Zach Wilson and be like, what's it like? And Zach's going to be like, I'm just trying to be a sponge out here. Because you just have to do it. Once you're the second overall pick, you have to have these conversations, especially once you're not good as the second overall pick. You have to play these roles and you have to have these conversations. But I agree. I think if there is a circumstance that is not built to foster, you know, uh, uh, mentorship from QB1 to QB2, it is the mercenary 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers arriving to the playoff desperate New York Jets to shepherd noted locker room not the biggest fan qb2 zach wilson that just does not ring to me as like and so much wisdom will be imparted from one down to the other it does not seem to be the circumstance to me yeah i i i would agree i think uh that's right there all right what do you have for your second headline okay this is uh i'm actually i'm changing my whole order here because i want to go off of the one that you did with the sponge thing uh month of august Okay, the following players will be in the best shape of their life. Okay, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, obviously. Makai's a good one. We're gonna get Makai down there at the bottom. <laughs> We're already seeing Makai back in the best shape of his life. Get the Instagram photos looking slim. Here's a good one for that. I'm rooting Orlando for him Brown. actually after that injury last year. Hopefully he does Me too. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Orlando Brown's gonna be in the best shape of his life. You can just see it out of Cincinnati, right? Just a little like Orlando Brown is. No, you, you can see it like. He, he's, he's lighter than he's ever been. He looks slim. You get a little Trey Hendrickson quote in there. His hands are so powerful. Like, it's crazy when you get hit by him versus somebody else. Meanwhile, Hendrickson's played against him like eight times in the last three years. But you get a little bit of that. You get the offensive line coach to bring up something about his dad. Best shape of his life. Derek Carr is going to be in the best shape of his life. Little, little uh, 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 Pete Carmichael quote. Oh, sometimes when he spins it, it reminds me of how Breeze spins it. Sounds a little bit like, oh, the command over the offense. He, he, he figured it out in, in, in days. He's calling shots. He's managing the huddle. He's, he's adjusting on the fly. You know you're going to get a Derek Carr. Oh, he reminds us of Breeze, a little, little, little teaser in August. Get one of those. Uh, I had Sam Donald down. We already talked about Sam. Tua Tungavailoa is going to be in the best shape of his life. He looks bigger. He's added on some muscle. There's going to be something mm. about judo. Gonna say he, he's he's done more in this offseason to be sure he doesn't get injured than in any offseason before. That's where we're, we're gonna get that from Tua for sure. Best shape of his life, Tua Tonga Vailoa, no question. And last but not least, this will be the big one in my opinion. You know who's in the best shape of his life, Shield? Lamar Jackson. Oh, remember when he came into camp last year with some muscle added, right? Remember he came in a little bit thicker last year? Oh, Lamar. He's put, he's put on a little bit more weight. You can tell he loves it here in Baltimore. He's so happy. He's joking around with his, with, with, with his teammates. Todd Monken. Oh, he loves Todd Monken to throw in the football more. Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers. Oh, they look so great on the fly. Rashad Bateman's back. And Lamar, just, he just seems like a different quarterback, seems like a different player. You got to put all the mess behind you. You got to put all the, like, didn't get an extension, didn't sign the tag, did he really have that bad of a knee injury? Like, this was a nasty situation. So you got you to tie it up with a bow and send it back. So how do you do that? Oh, 
Lamar, so he looks he looks like the best version of himself he's ever looked like. Oh, 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 Lamar Jackson is so happy to be in Baltimore. Those are going to be your, your best shape of, of their life all-stars when we get to the summer. I was trying to scroll down. Just I'm looking at like a standings page, seeing if there was anyone to add, because I feel like usually, I'm trying to think what, but usually running back is a big, like best shape of my life, right? Type, uh, mm-hmm. you know, type, type category like when you said the quarterback so like Derek Carr I like I don't know about I mean, that it, one it, you it moved to a, New Orleans I mean do you, you don't go to New Orleans shape. and get in better shape all right yeah all right you think they're just gonna like, be like, some like, type of art right like Derek Carr like like looks like he like loves football more than he ever has sort of a situation <laughs> like I yes. had some more like like right like athletes they have like a Stefan Gilmore looks like he's like five years younger with the Cowboys right I have like a Derek now that's Waller. a good one I like that one yeah Darren yes. Waller looks like he's in the best shape of his life. You get some of those. The running back one is tricky because, like, the most significant running back movement this year was like Miles Sanders. If if a Carolina beat writer writes Miles Sanders in the best shape of his life, is the needle moving? I don't think the needle's moving. It's Miles Sanders. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I think that's a good one. Uh, Orlando Brown. I don't really want him in the best shape of his life. Like, just you know, you are a big man. Don't be. You know, <laughs> start losing weight and then get oh, overpowered. But Beckton, we're excited for Mackay, just not for Orlando Brown. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mackay Becton had those pre-draft, like, what was he doing? Like, jumping over cars or something? There was some clip mm-hmm. they showed during the draft where I was like, holy cow, that guy's going to be the best left tackle in the NFL. How did he do that? Uh, Lamar is, a, is, I think, your best one. Because I think Lamar, after they signed him, now they totally shift into, like, a different PR mode of, like, all right, that's exactly. settled. Let's completely change the narrative. Let's make everyone forget about what happened from uh, whatever November uh, until April there. And so I think that is a good one. I I am very excited to read uh, all the Raven stories coming out of camp. Like, how does it look in the Todd Munkin offense? How's he looking with Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, Rashad Bateman and Zay Flowers against, you know, like uh, one-on-ones against Marlon Humphrey? Like, that's actually, I think, it might be the most exciting camp because they do um, you know, they'll be competitive there and, uh, you have some fun things that are actually different to keep an eye on. So I think those are good ones. I'm trying to think if there's any, like, who is, is there anyone else over 30? Like sometimes that's the thing, like a really great player who's 30 or over. Like, that's why I think Gilmore was a good one for you. You know, yeah. it might be like, wow, this guy looks as good as he's ever looked before but i mean like calais campbell in atlanta but even then like i don't know if you can sell oh, me on calais campbell looking like he's <laughs> no. in the best shape Listen, of his life calais campbell is close to my age you are not going to yeah. be in the best shape of your life. once you hit once you get past like i would say let's say like 32 33 you can no longer say that right. and i can no longer suspend athlete. my disbelief you are not in the best shape no. of your life no absolutely Darius not Smith right. was with the browns now not a bad one not a bad one. Zadarius so Smith could be. Uh, what about like a what about like a David Montgomery signed a big contract? Lions are like, screw you. We love running backs, and he's in the best shape of his life. Now, uh, what do you have to say to us? Can you write David Montgomery's in the best shape of his life when the team took Jameer Gibbs with the twelfth overall pick? <laughs> it's tough. Well, he's still me. Yeah, I was thinking. I was trying to think about if, if I was trying to think about if Zeke lands somewhere. Right, Zeke. You know, gets gets Chargers mm. pick up Zeke. He's taking some reps in training camp. Like, oh, Zeke looks slim. Zeke looks quick. I can see that yeah. one. I, I think, but you had to get Zeke on a team first before he could look like he's in the best shape of his life. Producer Cliff says Saquon if he signs a long-term deal. I think that that, that could be a good one. Although he always kind of looks like he's in great shape. Like shape has not been yeah, about to say. Uh, the issue, but 
But yeah, if he gets a big uh, big deal, maybe he's throwing out Jamal Williams. Yeah, Jamal Williams certainly is, you know, he's already not happy about the offer Detroit gave him uh, now with the Saints, so that could be a good one too. All right, let's take one more break. We'll come back with our final headlines that you're going to see this summer. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. All right, we are back on Extra Point Taken. I feel like I went kind of negative with my first two, so I'm going to go with the positive for my third one. DJ Moore turning heads at Bears camp. I'm actually going to buy this one. I think DJ Moore has been underrated. Last four years, six wide receivers with more receiving yards than DJ Moore. Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, all considered like elite wide receivers. I think, let's see, Adams, Diggs, Hill, Brown, all four guys traded for a first-round pick and something else. And then you have Jefferson and Cup, who everyone can acknowledge that they are great players. D.J. Moore did that with the following quarterbacks, Darnold, Bridgewater, Kyle Allen, P.J. Walker, uh, what do we, Cam Newton version 3.0, Baker Mayfield, and Will Greer. I mean, like, that, Will, that, 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 that's Greer, impressive. Baby. Yeah, if you can still put up those numbers with that group group of quor- uh, quarterbacks, you're impressive. DJ Moore is only 26 years old. Man, I wanted to throw in another Hendon Hooker there. I'm not even going to look it up. DJ Moore is younger than Hendon Hooker. I don't fact check me on that. I don't know if it's true, but listen, that's going to be a running theme on the show. I'll just tell you now. I don't know how good Justin Fields is going to be, but I absolutely see the upside. I know you're you're more convinced than I am that he's going to be able to uh, fix some of the flaws and be a monster. But I, I was kind of just like casually looking at, you know, that standings page and being like, who's this year's sort of Jalen Hurts? You know, like who's the guy, or even you could say Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence, like who's the guy who you feel like is going to make a big leap this year? And there are some things working in Fields' favor. Like the supporting cast is absolutely better uh, DJ Moore is going to help him a lot. They have the fifth easiest schedule in the NFL. If you go by uh, projected win totals in Vegas. And so, uh, I think if fields has a good season and he doesn't necessarily need to make that monster leap, but if he just has a solid season, uh, I think DJ Moore is in store to just, uh, kind of be a monster and like a real fan favorite, uh, for Chicago, which that fan base, they're just kind of starving for something. And I feel like they'll look at that trade and be like, did we get enough? Did we make the right decision? And they kind of are going to need that hype in August. And uh, I actually think he's going to live up to it. So I think DJ Moore, uh, the hype's going to build up, and I think he's going to have a great season. DJ Moore was born April 14th, 1997. Okay, a month after me. Just celebrated his 26th. Hendon Hooker, mm-hmm. born January 13th, 1998. About nine months Ooh. difference between DJ Moore, who's already on his second contract. And Hendon Hooker, who has not taken a snap of NFL football. Wait, so I can't say Ben Solak is younger than Hendon Hooker? That's disappointing. No, I, I'm, I'm 10 months older than Hendon Hooker is. 
No. Close. Yeah, we close. might have to do some doc. I'm going to call Mama Solak. We might have to doctor a birth certificate just so I can get this joke off uh, during yeah, the season. Yeah, fake license. Okay. I'm happy for I'd like it. This was, <laughs> this was the first draft there where there wasn't a significant player who was older than me. There were still the like punters and, and specialists, but they don't count. Punters are always like 30. That's not real. Um, this is the first draft where there wasn't like some random like small school, <laughs> you know, Juco transfer fifth year, whatever guy who was older than me. It was very disappointing. Made me feel so old, Shiel. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Moore is a Moore is not just an excellent candidate for looking like he's going to be all that and like getting all the training camp hype because he's just flat good. It's also because they traded all that volume for him, they traded all the capital for him. He's going to get that hype no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Like even if DJ Moore doesn't look good, you're going to be as the Bears PR wise trying to be like, oh, we're so excited about DJ Moore. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like you, you invested that much in him. He's going to get a positive press run no matter what. And then on top of that. Chicago hasn't seen good wide receiver play in a hot second, right? I mean, like, yeah. Allen Robinson of a few years ago, maybe. Like, Mooney is fine, but I'm not going to say Mooney's out here like being like a needle mover monster sort of a player. And so DJ Moore is just like a talented wide receiver that they haven't had there in the last few years in a league that's rife with wide receiver talent, right? In a division where they're playing Justin Jefferson, recently Devontae Adams, like, they just have not seen it in a Bears uniform in a bit. Uh, and so if Moore is just what he's billed as. He's going to, I think, be a guy that gets like right a ton of the summer run. But if he's better, if he's if, if Justin Fields helps elevate him, if the running aspect of the offense helps elevate him, if the improved quarterback play elevates him, then yeah, he's, he's a rocket ship. Moore is a tricky player for me because I think he's a good wide receiver one. And that doesn't sound like a bad thing at all, but we're in this era where like every playoff team has like one of the top 10 best receivers in the league. And I'm not sure Moore is that. But for the, the August into September and October train, DJ Moore to the moon. We'll kind of see what it looks like once we start to get uh, push comes to shove and we start to get like really, really elite players. Um, but for that, that early stretch, yeah, Moore is uh, in a quiet free agent season. Moore is about as exciting as a transplant as you'll find this year in terms of non-quarterbacks who are on new teams. He's, he's an exciting one. Where are you with the Bears offense overall? Because you and I, I think, did a podcast after they made the trade. And I was a little like, man, I don't know. I might have tried to move Fields and just take in like Bryce Young or something. You you have been more in on Fields. And we talked about how, well, now you have the assets to build around Fields. And so they add uh, Nate Davis, offensive lineman. They draft, um, what's his name? Uh, the Tennessee, Darnell Wright uh, to play tackle. DJ Moore, uh, they had, they made the Chase Claypool move last year for whatever's that worth. Like, do you look at it and say, all right, there's enough around fields where you should at least, you know, like a baseline of competency around fields where if he is the guy I think he is, he is going to make that leap? Or are you kind of, a, or are you more like, man, I'm a little underwhelmed that they had all these assets and this is kind of all they did ar- around him. Wh- where do you land on that conversation? I th- Three things are true. One. The offense is better than it was, supporting cast-wise and even like design-wise. If you go back to the Matt Nagy era when they were trying to like curls, being like, why isn't our rookie quarterback reading this out the way we need him to? And it's like, well, because he's a rookie quarterback and this is curls. Like, what are we talking about? So one, the offense is absolutely better than it was. There's still like degrees of uncertainty, right? Like you're putting a lot of eggs in baskets of guys like Darnell Wright and guys like Chase Claypool, who you haven't seen do productive things in an NFL uniform slash a Bears uniform. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's there's still degrees of uncertainty, but I think the offense is better for sure. So one, that's true. Two, it is hugely, massively important. It cannot go overstated. The value of bringing a offense from like bottom of the barrel to like average, 
right? It's easy to say, okay, like the Bears receiving core is better, but it's not like top 10 and the Bears offensive line is better, but it's not like top 10. There's still a ceiling on this offense. That's absolutely true. But it is a enormous difference for the development of Justin Fields and for the, the front office's ability to evaluate Justin Fields to just take the supporting cast from an active detriment that limits our ability to play football up to fine. Like that, that leap is a hugely important leap for the bears. Even if it doesn't mean like, like, okay, they end up eight and nine and they miss the playoffs. Like it doesn't like look like anything when you go look at the team encyclopedia page on pro football reference 20 years from now. Okay. But it still really matters in terms of like figuring out what Justin Fields is, figuring out who your cornerstone players are on offense, figuring out what sort of system you want to run. Like being functional everywhere is a big deal. So one, they got a lot better. Two, being functional everywhere is really, really, really important. Three, it's still not that good. And that, 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 that's, that's step two. You know what I'm saying? Step two is going to be saying, okay, we have future picks and we have Justin Fields. And I think that they're going to be a team that wants to commit to their quarterback long term. What what's going to be kind of the, um, the, the improvements there? Like what's going to be that second stage where you go from being, okay, functional to now like, well, how are we really, really, really going to build this thing out? Like I would not be surprised at all if even after the DJ Moore trade, we're talking about the Bears 2024 offseason going, this team is a candidate to draft the, draft the receiver top five, top 10. This team is a candidate to go trade for a huge receiver, trade for a big playmaker, right? Like, I would not be surprised if this step into functionality then exposes to them, okay, if we want to get actually good, we have to take a second big swing. Like, more is not enough. We have to continue gearing up for this offense in, in this league. And so, good that it's better. Good that it's functional. I don't want to get over our skis and be like, you know, like, after the DJ Moore trade, you saw like the tweets of like, who's stopping this offense? And it's like Justin Fields and like, you know, Khalil can I say Herbert I hate every one of those and tweets? Playful. And they're, they're awful. Exactly. It's like a lot of they're people always are stopping wrong. that offense, man. It's not yeah, that good. They're always wrong. Yeah. It's like, unless it's just Patrick Mahomes and five random people, then like that tweet's probably going to be uh, incorrect. It, like that, that one, it really doesn't matter who else is there. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think, and even if you look at it last year, I was looking this up for my uh, piece on the ringer last week. Their offense, when Justin Fields was on the field, was 20th in EPA per play last year, which is like, you know, like probably better than most people would think. You know, he had flashes, he had some down moments, but like, and it didn't always look like, man, it was like, can you do this every week where he's just making these ridiculous, you know, 70 yard plays, whether with his legs or buying time and finding a guy open for a touchdown? But 20th in EPA per play is not bad. And now if you're saying, all right, the supporting cast, like you mentioned, it has leveled up, even if it's not a great supporting cast, then you should be able to get to uh, an above average offense. So I'm sure they'd probably like to have that Chase Claypool trade back. I think everyone, you know, a lot of people thought that at the time, like, what are you doing here? And then it turns into the 32nd overall pick. And I'm someone who like, you know, in the in the right spot, likes Claypool probably more than most. But even I was like, ooh, I don't, I don't think I would uh, have done that. So they need to find a way to make sure he's a part of it this year as well. Uh, we'll see what happens with Chicago. All right. What do you have for your third headline for the summer? All right. Headline, June 23rd, 2023. Tom Brady will not be appearing on Fox broadcasts in the year 2023. So there's all the reporting earlier this week that Tom Brady is trying to get a minority ownership stake in the Raiders, which. Yeah, that's cool. Like, I get it. Like, you tried to get a minority ownership stake in the Dolphins in a manner that was not acceptable by league standards yeah. and led to the Dolphins losing their first round pick. And also, you didn't even end up Miami Dolphin. Uh, the Raiders 
just moved to Las Vegas. The league is investing a lot in their Las Vegas environment and new stadium and fan experience and sports books and gambling. The Super Bowl is coming up in Vegas in 2024. But the Davis family is one of the more cash poor uh, uh, ownership groups, owner, uh, owners in the entire league. And so getting Tom Brady and getting his money in and, 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 and adding minority owners is a good move for them. Uh, and so this le- this news comes out, this lease comes out. And then immediately there's a big like push of tweets. that's like, and Fox has ordained this deal as acceptable. Fox has said they are totally okay with Tom Brady being the minority owner of the Raiders and also potentially calling Raiders games. Okay. One. No way, right? You can't, that's not, you can say you're okay with it as much as you want. There's no way that works, right? You can't just do that. That's insane. Yeah, it, it w- yeah I mean, it, it sounded like, yeah, like, like whatever their rules are that they were like allowed within the rules, but I'm with you. I, I don't know how you could put him on a Raiders game if he is a minority owner uh, of the Raiders, but you said 2023. They've already announced that he's uh, not going to call games. Right. Okay. All right. So, okay. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so uh, you have Brady. Uh, right, so they say like, oh, like the the broadcast rules are only only limit somebody if they have a clear like uh, ability to affect broadcast right negotiations. And if Brady was a commentator, he wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't think you can let him play Raiders games. As you brought up, right? There's already been the announcement that they've pushed back the deal. Like, actually, when we reported this deal, and we were like, you know, we could Brady is going to retire and going to be on Fox. You report is 2023. Actually, it was never 2023. It was always going to be 2024. <laughs> we were always going to let Tom Brady have a year off. And it's like, are you sure? Because the last time Tom Brady had a week and a half off, he rejoined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. And so I don't know if I'm signing that deal as Fox. My thing is like, no, you're starting immediately because when you have time to think, you start trying to buy the Raiders. So we can't just be letting you. We want you to broadcast for us. We can't let you have time to think about other things to do. So this, this, this fact that Brady is interested in buying the Raiders after previously being interested in somehow being part owner of the Dolphins, retiring from the Buccaneers and then leaving the Buccaneers, like or going back to the Buccaneers, it makes it extremely evident to me that broadcasting does not wet this man's whistle enough for his involvement mm. in football. It just doesn't. Like, it, I think it's a great fallback for him, but he already has pushed the fallback back a year, which implies to me that he doesn't want to do it at all, right? I think that there is, like, I would put the percent chance that Brady calls a game for Fox at, like, 30%. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that, I'm just off of, like, tea leave reading here. I don't see how this interests him enough relative to the big swings that he'd like to take in terms of, like, owning teams and and being involved with football from the actual like team perspective the other thing that i think matters here is that if brady calls games for fox what's he gonna do he's gonna hop in the booth with kevin burkhart and be like that was a good run like no because peyton gets his own show named after him with his brother where they do goofball shenanigans and have on celebrity guests you can't tell me brady watches manning and and and, and manning and eli peyton and eli on ESPN, and then goes, yeah, I'll do a traditional broadcast. No, he's going to want to do a broadcast that is as centered around him as the Manning cast is centered around the Mannings. I don't think he can do that as well as Peyton does, because Peyton is cool and funny, and Tom 
is not as much. Hey, <laughs> hey, don't undersell Eli. Eli is fantastic on those. I mean, Eli every, is a funny dude and every entertaining. Every single person always is like, man, Eli is so good on this show. No, he isn't. Okay? He's yes, just like... He, oh my God, he 100% just, is. No, okay. He's good. Genuinely funny guy. He's good, right. He's good in the sense that he's just like awkward and being himself. Right, he's not like good from like a like a, like a TV effort perspective, which is fine. Which is fine. I just people are like, oh, like Eli does such a great job. Eli has no idea what he's doing. He's just hanging out with his brother and doesn't care what anybody thinks about him because he's made a bajillion dollars of one two Super Bowls. That's so he's the just point of the setup. All right. Anyway, now, sorry. I don't ahead. think Brady's ever going to broadcast for Fox <laughs> TVH. I definitely don't think he's going to be on Fox in twenty twenty three at all. I don't think he's going to be on the desk. I don't think he's going to be in the booth. I don't think he's going to make special Super Bowl appearances. I think Fox is going to continue to talk about this deal as much as possible and reference it and get it in the public eye and just put the words Brady next to the word Fox as much as conceivably possible. And I think Brady ends up, you know, owning the XFL in 2024 or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't I don't I don't see this ever come to fruition. And even like the plugged in media people like our own uh, very own Brian Curtis and then Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, like I think they've like. You know, strongly hinted that it's kind of under 50% that he would ever broadcast a game for Fox. So, you know, I, I don't even think you're probably going out on a limb there. Once it was like, he's not going to do it in 2023, you know, do, do it in 2024. It was like, wait, what? What's he doing in 2023? Uh, in terms of the, you know, the Manning setup and his setup, I don't know. 10 years, $375 million. You can, you know, you, you can probably accept having to go to, uh, you know, how hard it is to fly on a private jet to a game call a game and then fly on it fly on a private jet back he, he can figure it out but i'm sort of with you like what we know about brady is that like football is kind of all he's known for a long time and he's just like his whole that's been his whole life he's sacrificed stuff in his personal life maybe you know bad decisions if you're you know some some people would look at man how why did you do that uh to come back and play more one more year with the Bucks, like none of the other stuff has really been that successful. It seems like, and we know him as like a maniacal competitor. So I wonder what would scratch that itch. Like, would it be, maybe it's not ownership. Maybe like, would he want to be, would he be, want to be a GM? What do you think? Hey, I can run a team. I've been around locker rooms. I know what players work. I know Belichick. Well, like I can build a team. Uh, you know, I'm not putting it that physical toll on my body, but uh, I'm still kind of putting some hours in and being part because he obviously wants to still be part of the game. You, you would assume with the broadcasting stuff. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe that would scratch his itch a little bit more. I can't see like it's, coaching really yeah. being in his future. I don't know. It's it's too like normal for him. Like a bunch of players become maybe. GMs. You know what I'm saying? Like which like okay, like he, a bunch of players become broadcasters. Yeah, that's why I think he's actively trying not to be a broadcaster. This guy tried to be the first owner of a team while playing for the team guy i don't know what you call that <laughs> technically but the like brady is is one of one in the nfl halls in terms of 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 postseason success in terms of super bowl victories in terms of championships he is the, the winner of all winners i don't think he wants i don't think he can compute leaving football but I also don't think he wants to just go and do what all the other ex-players do because all the other ex-players didn't win eight Lombardis, seven Lombardis, however many Lombardis he won. I don't care to know the exact number. So to me, like it's, it's, I would be surprised if he does something like, let's go coach. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he's yeah. more likely to like become the athletic director of Michigan. 
You know what I'm saying? Just like something that's like mm, out of your right. mind weird. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I think to, like to him, that'll represent like, because I'm Tom Brady and I do something different than everybody else does and I do it better than everybody else does. Maybe. We shall see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would, what would uh, make him happy and bring him fulfillment. I mean, you hear it from athletes all the time when they retire. What do you do to kind of scratch that itch? And he's like that to the nth degree, like the most extreme example of uh, of that storyline. So we'll see uh, what he does this offseason. Keep an eye on that sort of uh, transaction with the Raiders, what it means for his future, all those things. All right. My extra point taken. I'm taking a layup here, Benjamin, and uh, a feel-good story. I'm just saying uh, congratulations to Todd Bowles. I read this story this morning. I don't know if you saw this story. Uh, I read it from Jenna Lane of ESPN. Todd Bowles got his college degree from Mount St. Mary's Saturday at the age of 59, 37 years after he left Temple University for the NFL as an undrafted free agent. He got he had, I think, an eight-year playing career. Then he got right into coaching afterwards. I think he started at Morehouse and then worked his way up and obviously is right now on his second head coaching job. Uh, his mom, according to this story, again, on ESPN.com by Jenna Lane, uh, was battling cancer in 2009. And he said, like, when he, did, when he left Temple, she didn't say anything. She wasn't like, stay in school, get your degree. And he, again, he was a UDFA. He wasn't like a can't-miss prospect she was just right. like you know do do what do what you think is right here but as she was battling cancer in 2009 told him uh make sure you get your degree and he did it he finally did it here in 2023 gave a, a nice speech was reading the quotes you're never too old to stop learning you stop learning and you get old which i think is like you know good that seems like good advice uh so i don't know todd bowles He's had a wonderful career as a defensive coordinator, as a head coach. I'm not sure. We'll see. It hasn't been great so far. But, uh, you know, even an old curmudgeon like me can once in a while read a heartwarming story, feel good about it, and say, good job, Todd Bowles. So there you go. That's the extra point. You there. weren't covering the Eagles when he was there? Uh, I was there, I think, one year. He took over as defensive coordinator when they fired. So it was 2012. Is that when they Yeah. So I would, that was my first year Castillo. writing full time. Yeah, so I yeah. did a, li a little bit, but yeah, I I did definitely did not know him well. Yeah, that's um, it's always so cool. I always feel really bad for like Billy Bowman, who's the guy behind Todd Bowles, who just Todd Bowles goes up and just like cameras and videos and like super <laughs> excitement or whatever. Right, like, the Jalen Hurts graduation was the same thing. Right, like Hurts goes up, graduates at Oklahoma. Right, the crowd's going wild. Masters and just. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just somebody behind Jalen Hurts in the line. The unfortunate last name that begins with like H U W or something. That's just like they walk up and you just hear their mom screaming from like the far back and like that's it. I, I don't know. I think that would folks. be cool. I think that would be cool. You're like, I graduated after Jalen Hurts. Like I you know, it's a fun thing to say for the rest of your life. I don't know. So long as you so long as you get in the video that Oklahoma posts on Twitter, then I think it's good. <laughs> right. If you're just there in the background. What's up? It's me. I also have a master's from Oklahoma. Nobody seems to care about that. Um the uh no, the 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 Bulls graduate I think is awesome. Whenever like it's always cool whenever the players go back. It's really cool whenever coaches do it, right? And it's just like whole on adults that just wanted to make sure they actually like got the thing done. It's always sick. Nicely uh contrasted by the news today or this week i should say that georgia quarterback uh -huh. stetson bennett he in the class of 2016 
who was at Georgia for six years, did not graduate. <laughs> Stetson Bennett was just an unreal college career. Just a legend. Multiple time national champion at Georgia. Oh my gosh. Holy that Christmas. is amazing. Why did I go heartwarming? That Stetson Bennett should have been my extra point taken. That would have been a lot. We could have had Honestly, a lot more, I respect uh, it. Well done, that. Stetson. Just imagine being the, 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 one of the teachers who is trying to get Stetson Bennett to come to class. And Stetson Bennett was like, I don't know if you heard, I'm 5'11 and won a national championship. I'm good. As my kids say all the time, I'm good. Yeah, that would probably yeah, be right. his We're response. Good. Yeah, there you go. All right. Thank you to producer Cliff Augustine, additional production supervision by Connor Nevins and Arjuna Ramgopal. Thank you to Ben Solak. I think we're going to take a little break in the future, but we'll still have one more show. So we're going to have another show uh, next week on Monday, and then we'll have some vacation there uh, coming up as we lead up to training camp. But uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Extra Point Taking.